E-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Monday! Monday, Monday, Monster Truck Rally. Remember Night at the Museum? That was a fun movie. Ben Stiller, whatever happened to him? He's still doing stuff. Night at the Museum, Robin Williams, Teddy Roosevelt. I actually, for a little bit there, was like, Teddy Roosevelt seems like a pretty cool guy. And then you actually read stories about Teddy Roosevelt, or you listen to my friend Caleb uh, Franz's show over on Liberty, um, where he does like an overview of Teddy Roosevelt's uh, foreign policy. Dude was a nut job. Regardless, you're not here for Teddy Roosevelt History Hour or the fact that I started the show off quoting Ben Stiller's uh, Night at the Museum. But yes, you are here on The Brian Nichols Show for another fun-filled episode. And of course, it's going to be a phenomenal guest. And I'm joined by a, a friend of the show, more so because I've been on his show twice and I feel terrible because he hasn't been to my show once. Uh, and we rectified that today because darn it all, Stephen Ignoramus from Call Me Ignorant and The Daily Ignoramus, a phenomenal program and a phenomenal network that he runs over there. Uh, and he is a great, uh, just number one, a great guy, uh, but number two, he's just got a really cool story. He approaches things uh, in a very unique kind of way, uh, more right wing leaning. But he's a musician. Uh, you know, he teaches music, and uh, you know, he just has a really cool perspective on things. So I, I really just wanted to have uh, you know Stephen on the show to just have a conversation, pick his brain, and kind of uh, have a more well detailed, thought out conversation about where the heck things are right now and where they're going, and uh, you know, how do we find some commonalities uh, as a society? So with that being said, guys, it's a fun conversation with Stephen. A little dark at times, but hey. You know, it's always a, a great time and an insightful, uh, insightful conversation here on The Brian Nichols Show. So without further ado, on to the show. Stephen Ignoramus here on The Brian Nichols Show. Yeah, it feels like welcome back because I had you on the show a couple, couple, three, four weeks ago or something like that. I know. And I had you on a year before that and, you know, we're Twitter buds and things like that. But I'm re- really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. For sure, man. And like we're almost friends IRL, like actually meeting. We're, we're so close to each other. You're right down the 95 Expressway. I'm obviously up here in Philadelphia. You're down where, where Virginia? Yeah, I just moved down to Lorton, Virginia area. I've been in um in Washington D.C. for about ten years, and I just moved. Uh, and after the, you know, I had 
at this whole launch. You know, I've been streaming on the street lately. You know, I've been going downtown with my phone and streaming the political happenings and things like that. And I had a, I've had a deal for about four or five years. After this election, I'm I'm gone. So after <laughs> after November third, I got to make plans to go either to like a red state or like some place where it's like you know smaller government things like that. And that's my plan. Yeah, we're hearing that across the board. Like I I mean I'm I'm we're obviously all talking to politics, right? We talk to people in, in politics. I, I know obviously we're going to discuss your show too, and your show isn't overtly political. I mean you do discuss politics, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same point in time, I mean with everything that's happening in the world. It's hard. It's hard not to talk about politics because it just seems it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, it seeps into everything. Yeah, the last couple decades. I mean, I've been. This is a theme that's come up on my show a lot. Is that it's on one hand you want to say, can we just not give politics so much power? But right. on the other hand, we've given so, politics so much power in our minds and the schools and things like that that you have to. So if, if you distance yourself from it, politics probably is going to come for you. It's going to find yeah. you. Yeah it's going to find you one way or the other. So it's like, here we are, but yeah, not overtly political, but got to get into it sometimes with these debates and all kinds of stuff. You know? Yeah. I have, I used to have a, a history teacher uh, named Mr. Timmerman and he, my God, he was a blast because he was the six foot four German guy. And um, he used to have two expressions. One politics is not a spectator sport, nor is war. And war is not a spectator sport. Um, and, and I used to really love those, those quotes because um, inevitably the first um, where politics is now a spectator sport will lead to the quote that one of the most horrifying things is growing up realizing that the, the the folks in your graduating class are now running the world and and that's something also that is I know it's horrifying because it's it's based on I think a lot of folks apathy Stephen and I think that apathy is due to the fact that people are just so tired of it it seems that it's been nonstop pretty much for the past five years. Um, you know, ever since the GOP primaries in 2015 started, when Trump, it was really, that was when Trump started, it's been nonstop. And I think people are, I mean, they, they, they've been tuned out for a while, but I think this either, it did one of two things. It pushed people to the completely tuned out or just the, the, the complete opposite. It, it got them radicalized. And it got them yeah, urban radicalized. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, you know, one of the things I focus on on my show is trying to have a conversation with folks from across all aisles. And, and to really have some conversations that will be uncomfortable at times, but also a chance to learn from one another. So, Stephen, your show, Call Me Ignorant, right? You're having folks on who are not only, you know, sometimes not political, but completely apolitical, focusing on, you know, music. And, you know, you, you, we discussed uh, when I was on your show, you know, both our, our passions for music. Uh, and and you know, that's something that I think I, I definitely love to see because it's a, it's a release and a break from politics. But... I get the chance to speak to people that normally I probably wouldn't speak with in my normal political circles. So with that being said, for you being able to have these conversations over on Call Me Ignorant, talk to me about, I guess, number one, the the average vibe you've been getting from your your guests outside of our political world. Because, you know, here in the Brian Nichols Show, majority of our, our guests are all in the world of politics. So let's get outside of that world, right? Your, your musicians, your artists, your, your thinkers, what's kind of the scuttlebutt? What's the, the feeling that you're getting when you're having these conversations with folks? Well, I mean, like, well, first point is that unfortunately it's hard to not get political a little bit. And I had a couple, there's a couple of people I've had on like this dude, Joe Hart. Um, he's a guy, I, he, he's a big presence on, on Twitter or whatever, and he does flipping. And he, so basically he flips things from one market to the other using eBay and Craigslist. And like, he's big on like personal motivation and things like that. I've talked to a lot of, I haven't talked with as many mu musicians as 
as I, I want. That's one of the things I want to get into. And it's interesting that I don't really enjoy talking about music all that much. Um, really? My old, I mean, well, okay, that's a big, that's a big broad statement. You know, like, like the right musical conversation is amazing. But <laughs> yes. People that get, get like really into theory, they get really into like who's the best or who's the worst. They get into, it's so subjective. Yeah. And, and it, it can become a fight. And I've been in like a, a bunch of bands. I've been probably been in a hundred bands in, in my life. And I've just been in a, in a lot of like very negative ego and art are very closely related. Mm. I, mean, as, I mean, and that's your pod. That's a podcast. That's a, that's a, um, that's a live stream. That's painting, but people can be very like, to be honest, sometimes politics was a nice break from talking about music. That's one of the reasons. That's that, like, so interesting. It was very interesting. Me and you have very different backgrounds. I, I think in terms of the, the, the way that we spent our last 10 years or so. But you know what? Like, really quick to the, to your point yeah. you just made, that actually makes sense, Stephen, because think yeah. about it, right? If, if you're a musician or you're an artist, not only are you creating this new piece of, of either work, work of art, piece of music, yeah. but now this is a part of you. Right. It's identities wrapped up in it. Exactly. Uh, it's there's so much of you that you yeah. are now and now it's not just the piece of art being critiqued. It's it's that part of you being critiqued. It's not yeah. as it's not as easy to do in, in like, you know, in, in business, right? Like you have objective KPIs that you're looking to uh, to measure. Right. You know, it's yeah, it's tough exactly. to it's tough to like get too wrapped up in the emotion of things. So yeah, it's interesting you had that flip perspective of, of the politics. Cause like I mean, yeah, I wouldn't think you would look to politics as an escape because most folks in politics are looking for anything beyond politics to get out. I wasn't raised in, in politics at all. I, Speak I, to that. Yeah. You know, I wasn't raised in politics at all. I mean, my, my, my parents got divorced pretty young and I don't remember being talked to about politics. Really. I was, my political education came from public schools. Like, this stuff wow. brainwashing. Yeah, that that's basically what it was. And then I, I took like one poli sci class, I think, in in college. But then from there, I was just an artist in DC for like eight years. And the like you said, the identity thing. I think that's just humans, though, man. I think because that's people how people are with their political team. That's how they are with their band. And I just think that, like I said about the ego and and the and separating ego and art. Um, I don't think you can do it. So that's when mm -hmm. I like went solo as a mu musician. I quit all my bands and I realized that just like s being a rapper and a loop pedal guy and a jazz piano player, it is all up to me. So if I mess up, I do take the ego hit and that's healthy. And if it's good, yep. I get to feel good about myself and, 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 and that, and that's healthy. But then the, the band thing is political, man. So I quit these bands and started a current events show and I haven't joined a team yet, which I'm glad about. I know that like most of the people you deal with, and I've had a lot of libertarians on and things like that, but it's hard to join a team. I don't know if it's the right call. Are you, would you say you're team libertarian? No, is that your team? absolutely no. not. No. So here's the, here's the, like the, the dirty truth for like how I approach politics. Right. And, and this is actually kind of funny. I've been, I've been thinking about this because we had a, a friend here on the show, uh, Theodore Quinoa. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Yeah, yeah I've had him on the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crap on the government. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. you know, Good he's guy. been, he's, he's a great guy. He's been making a big push though, to get rid of the libertarian party. Now I love Theodore. Ooh, he he yes. reached out to me and he said, Brian, I got this crazy idea. He wouldn't tell me what it was beforehand. He was like, I got this crazy idea and I want to come on your show. And I want to like, I want to spring this idea on you live on air. Um, and, I want to get your live instant reaction. 
And basically, it was this proposal that he's been going around and uh, going on different podcasts to, to bring up, and that is disbanding the LP in, in its entirety and only focusing on supporting Republican or Democratic candidates who are running as small L libertarians. And the idea being that if you're running small L libertarians as Republicans or Democrats in these local elections, that you will then be able to garner enough cred in those two parties to actually enact real lasting libertarian policy, which I hear that argument. And I, it's funny because on the show, I think I caught him off guard because I actually agree with him. Um, and I said, yeah, I, that's fine with me. I'm okay with that approach because I'm not team L, big L. Like I'm, I'm team little L liberty. I want to see us live a freer future regardless of how that's accomplished. And I think so over on uh, our, our friend of uh, the show, Mark Clare's podcast, Lines of Liberty, Theodore went into a debate with Angela McArdle. Now, Angela also is a friend of the show. Um, she's the LP chair out in uh, in LA. And she um, was pro-LP and uh, Theodore obviously against. And I, I'm the, in there raising my hand saying, why not both? Um, I think we can objectively look and say that, you know, for every Jeff Hewitt, we have a Thomas Massey, and that's a good thing. And we shouldn't say it has to be one or the other. Um, okay. But conversely, I mean, we can take the wins that we get with, like, a Tulsi Gabbard on the things we agree with. That We can take the wins that we agree with with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You don't have to agree with them 100% of the time, but I, I'm going to take some of those wins, you know. Um, yeah. But it, it starts with us being able to play the game that is politics. And, and I think sometimes... This goes to the part that you're talking about from the musical perspective and the artist perspective, and we see this a lot in libertarian with it too, is the identity that is your political self. It becomes so wrapped up in who you are as a person that when you have, again, the ideas attacked, right? If, if you get challenged, then it doesn't feel like, you know, the ideas that have been around for hundreds of years have been crafted by Adam Smith all the way up to Murray Rothbard and Mises and Hayek in between, but... It's attack on you. It's your identity that's being attacked. And it's not funny. It's, yeah, it's not funny. But here's the part that, that's, that's driving me crazy is that we acknowledge that that sucks, right? But then we'll be so quick to go after folks on the left saying, oh, you're so wrong. You're so, you're, yeah. you're, you're you know, and then I'm like, wrong. no. They're not wrong. They're not wrong because it's like your family is is your family. I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons that, you know, let, when uh, I think off air after you were on the show last time, um, I was like, you know, if you want me to have on your show or whatever, me on your show, like I, I, I like talking about things from a right wing perspective. And the reason I know I'm right wing and I'm comfortable with that being my team, not GOP, not libertarian, but like right wing is because like the original, you know, phrase and the values of the right wing is God, family and country. And those are three groups that I like. I don't know, man. You can say it's all subjective, man, and like it's all social construct, man. But those three groups I do belong to in reality, like my family, my country, and I am a Christian. Like in reality, and, and one of those is a belief. I believe it's reality, but the groups are real. The left is not wrong. It's just like too many groups, and you have like a transsexual, like albino disabled you know what like and it's like you're, you're all of a sudden you're advocating for like rights for a group that has three people in it so groups exist and that's why it's you shouldn't this it's like you shouldn't distance yourself from that mentality any more than like it's it's bucking reality is the problem that's the problem it's like but the libertarian is not as real as you know the last name Nichols. like your family is your family you know what i mean so if you get more wrapped up in the lp or even just like liberty than you do 
like your own personal, you know what I mean? Like a hierarchy. Like there's people on the LP, not LP, on in inner libertarians that are still anti hierarchy. And I'm opposed to that way of thinking. Interesting. You know I mean? Yeah, no, no, for sure. Well, it, it's, it, you're focusing on something that we've actually touched on a little bit here in the show over the past few months. And that's been one of, of building up the individual, right? Making yourself the best version of yourself. That includes focusing on your family, right? Focusing on making sure that you're, as a, as Jordan Peterson says, you have you have your own room in order first before you start going outside and trying to clean oh, everybody else's. Good. Yes. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it, but it's I true. Like the frog. <laughs> he kind of does not like Kermit the Frog. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I saw this thing as like a Jordan Peterson or Kermit the Frog or both. Um, and it's it's it, it, he's so great. Um, but no, it, it it's to that point. If you're not taking care of yourself first, taking care of your family first, then how can we expect you, the person who can't take of those those very easy to control things, to then on a macro scale? take over the government and the entire overarching system of government and then take care of all the problems for everybody. Exactly. And that's, everyone dies. And that's where people, and I think that's where we, we do lose some of our friends on the left, right? Because they're, they're in this, this, this great intentioned mindset, but we, 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 we neglect. I'm not sure if that's the right word or we willfully forget to look at the, the history that has taken place over the past, you know, just just look in the past hundred years as we've had good intention people take the the reins of government and with it the power that is the monopoly on violence, then you can have some pretty nasty things happen pretty darn quick. We've had folks in my show. I mean, Lily Tang Williams, she came over from Mao's China. Um, wow. I had yeah, I had a friend Hillary um, Andaluz Aguilar coming from uh, socialist Venezuela, uh, and just to hear the stories, not only of how it starts, like how the, the, the society yeah. starts to change the mentality, but how quickly things can change, especially in the case of Venezuela, when thing, you know, when it hits the fan, when, when social, when real socialism hasn't been tried and it starts to go downhill, right. And it's not real social, social anymore. That's like that story. It's horrifying. You, you, you do see a complete crumbling of society because all the wealthy people have the means to up and leave. And, and what happens now, all these social programs that were supposed to be taking care of people, they don't have the, the means to, to actually be funded because the people who are supposed to be paying for the uh, the services are no longer there. The people who are now supposed to be uh, being taken care of by these services, they're not being taken care of by the services because the services don't exist. And there's no free market alternative. There's no private industry there because they've all left. So you really, you completely have the ability to destroy entire societies in what, a generation? It happens that quick. And I guess- yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, a little bit. Yeah, little but bit. I was going to say, are, are you seeing that now? I mean, I do. I don't know how about the timeline. Like, I think that this is a little bit longer form. Like, I don't know. I just think, I, you know, if I were, like, to write a book about the history of this way of thinking of the last 100 years, I don't know how quick. I think it's really de- deceptive. Like, the, the minute that you think it happened in a certain time frame, you can make the argument for it happening in a, a longer time frame and vice versa as well. But I think it takes more than... It takes more than two generations for sure. Like, I think that it takes like it all starts with like either a weak way of thinking. And I would call that like atheism, but I don't have to like like but I don't have to like I I think I can argue it from a secular perspective, but it's like it could be like a weak mindset, like a, a victim mindset or a start to get brainwashed or you know something. But I don't think this happened in, in like the 90s. I think this happened in like the 60s. Um, oh, like yeah. The 60s, hippies grew 90s. up. The hippies grew yeah, up, they yeah, became yeah. professors, they start teaching yeah. the, the, the kids in, you know, our parents' generation, and, and they teach how you're supposed, you know, they teach how, big air quotes, on how you're supposed to to run society, 
and and then you start to yeah. see this just trickle down as as those people start to grow up and now you're seeing the millennials that are are starting to grow up and get into positions of power and terrible. you know who and i think it was Thaddeus Russell actually he he said the reason that he is so terrified for the future is because he himself was a college professor and and he saw what's happening he he he's like you don't realize who the next generation is that's coming in if i may though then th- this guy has got to not be a postmodernist then man like he's <laughs> like i i think that Thaddeus russell is still part of the problem if uh if he's if he if you're saying that you're scared it's like okay like i'm a postmodern and there's so much more postmodern and that's bad like you got to like everything is relative to me is part of the problem and and like I'm not a philosophy professor, so and I don't have the body of work that a Thaddeus Russell has. So it's like there is a certain uh, aspect of I'm kind of calling out a guy that's done way more work than me. I'm just an asshole music musician live streamer that talks about comedy from like all the time, you know. But like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but the postmodern mindset is almost like everything is subjective, but everything is subjective is an objective statement. So like how how can you be like I I don't understand how you can say you're scared for the future and still be a college professor. Um, like I think I don't know. I just it, it doesn't compute with me. Like you got to become like a Christian or like a um a, not an objectivist, but you have to think view things. Obje- I don't even know. You have to have a it. sense of purpose, and I think so. Or foundation in the truth, or like something like a great fundamental or some. Kind so of I I had Gary Collins on my show. He's um he's the head of what's called the Simple Life. Um, which is, it's, it's his, it's an off the grid mentality of living your life. And it, it really comes down to the, these three fundamental, um, concepts that is the three legged stool, he calls it. And it is your financial health, your emotional health, and your sense of purpose. I'm sorry, your, your, <laughs> I'm sorry, your financial, physical health, sorry, and your sense of purpose. So if any three of those of the legs of stool, if you will, are out of balance, then your stool in life is unbalanced. And, and with that, you need to make sure that you're constantly focusing on all three of those areas in your life. And and to your point, Stephen, I think that right there is what some people miss is that they have taken that sense of purpose and that sense of, you know, you're making your three-legged stool right. And they have instead abdicated that responsibility to higher authorities, be it, you know, government otherwise. And then they they realize how effed up their, their three-legged stool is and then they try to fix it by instead of looking at the actual problems that is it's their three legged yeah, stool. They get more into politics, yeah. Exactly, and it's like it's like we start this yeah, this perpetual yeah we start this perpetual downward spiral. It seems when you start going to that mindset, no? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's again we talked about musician and artistry. I mean these are these are human nature things, not political things. Like you know you can get into music, you can get into. Um, it's like actors, man. You've seen these memes of like Christian Bale that it's like him in, he's basically got th- 300 pounds of fluctuation between yeah. his four characters and like getting into acting. You can get into, I mean, I've covered, you know, it's one thing about my, about my show you know, real quick, quick. I wanted to mention this. You've mentioned call me ignorant earlier. That's my podcast where I, uh, interview people, but my, my daily morning show is, is the daily ignoramus. And the, and the first hour of this show we go through, I try to keep it not political for the first hour, but all kinds of crazy stuff. Like this teacher in France, he tattooed his entire body. I saw that. Yeah. To like the and he got fired after he t- tatted his his eyeballs black. That's what was was a straw. But my point is, you can get into anything, and that's just being human. And so you want to make sure it's a good thing. That's my point. Like if if it's not a good thing, then we can get into like what's objective. Some people think there's not objective good. I think there is. Um, 
yeah. I think it's silly so, to say otherwise. They're, they're, yeah. And this is what drives me crazy with some libertarians is that libertarian libertarianism is not a matter of not what you can, or I'm sorry, libertarian is not a matter of what people cannot do. It, it's actually quite the opposite. Libertarianism at its fundamental is us telling you what exactly you cannot do. And what are they? Don't hurt people and don't take yeah. their stuff. I was going to ask you this. Yeah. So that's, so your definition of libertarian is the, the nap and property rights. A thousand percent. That's, that's, a thousand percent. The Matt Kitty approach. Do you think, and this is one of the things I wrote down to ask you, actually ask you, do you think all government, okay, sorry. One of the reasons I still like libertarians because these people are opposed to social engineering. To me, my right-wingers, like conservatives, whatever, they still are pro-social engineering. Um, I don't like social engineering at all. Other than like Having, I don't know. I have to ask myself if raising a family is social engineering. I think it is, but it's benevolent social engineering. But okay, do you think all government programs are a violation of the NAP? I mean, d defines on, depends on like what is a violation of the NAP, right? So there's, I think there's a fundamental issue that libertarians have to face is that just because a government program is being uh, done at the use of tax dollars, which obviously is via the use of force. That doesn't necessarily mean that that service should not be a service that is done in the private sector in response to of course. the government. Want, right. So so with that being said, yeah, every organization that the government pretty much tries to uh, fund is, I would say, immoral at best, but only from the, the, the sole fact that it's because it's funded on, on coercion, uh, you know, theft. It really, it is funded on theft at the end of the day. So I would say... What I would rather see is, and again, this is what we've been trying to do here at the Brian Nichols Show, is, is bring up and raise people's voices to help sell liberty that are actually meeting that middle ground. So folks who are actually starting to solve that question of, okay, well, what happens with the roads? Okay, what happens with social security? Um, you know, I, just, I had Dean Thomas, or Dean Thomas, Dean, Dean, I just watched Harry Potter with my wife. I, I had Dean Clancy, my goodness, former uh, House uh, White House uh, policy advisor under the Reagan administration on healthcare. Cool. And uh, he is currently leading uh, what's called H HSAs for All, which is health savings accounts for all Americans. And right now it's actually on the Senate floor for a vote, um, which would give the access to health savings accounts for Americans, which would then allow you tax-free to have a part of your, your salary put into a health savings account uh, that you can then use directly for your medical supplies. It will cost around 30 to 60, uh, I think it's 30 to 60 or 70% in, in some instances. Um, and it would be a, a great stepping stone to having a true, you know, a free market alternative to what is right now the existing, you know, uh, corporatism healthcare structure we have in place. So, you know, I think that's been part of the problem from just a marketing and, and sales perspective is that we really have never had a real product. It's like, um, it's like, let's say I'll, I'll give you my, my, uh, my fun example here, right? Let's say you're trying to sell a car and all you're doing is talking about the, either the benefits or the uh, the suckiness of your competitor's car versus your car. But if you don't actually have the car to sell, then what does it matter? You're just white noise at this point. The libertarians really haven't had a car to sell in the longest time to an actual market. Is that, is that, and it's a weird analogy. If I may, though, like, like what I'm wondering about that is like, to me, it's a little bit like, uh, it's a little bit of a conundrum if you're trying to sell liberty because you literally don't have a monopoly on it. Like the government is the one that has the monopoly on it. Like, it, like, it, like the government controls your freedom. Okay? Right. Like, I don't know. I know that like, okay, the constitution in our whole Western values are based on 
you know, the supposition of natural rights. Mm-hmm. But that's only as good as like the the gun and the boot that's enforcing it. Okay, so my point is is is, is if you just think about like the 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 thing you said, it's not the only reason that that is an incomplete analogy is because like both of you own the car. But you, Brian Nichols, do not own the other person's liberty. I mean, I believe God does, but on this earthly realm, the government does. So, like, they're always going to be like, but what about the government? But what about the government? They're like, okay, you're going to be like, okay, but I want to start start a school. Okay, we're going to pursue agorism. Okay, we're going to pursue starting our own communities. And they're going to be like, but the government owns that. So what's your answer for people that are just like, dude, this monopoly on force has been, on, been around for hundreds of thousands of years or whatever. What do you how do you sell person a person liberty in rea- in the real world when the government can just be like, no. Yep. It requires it requires a, a two step process. Number one, it requires us as individuals to be the best versions of ourselves as possible. That's why wow. I've been having folks in my show cool. repeatedly because I, I say, you know, like folks like Gary Collins, um, you know, folks like Mark Claire, who, who's looking at, you know, doing an expat lifestyle. Uh, That's, really Thor- profound, man. That's yeah. really profound. Yeah. You have to be a good example. And you, yeah. Wow. Because if you know, because if you, if you're not right, then, then how can we expect you to be, you know, and I did, actually I do this with my sales team too. Cause I, 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 they always get weird out when I say, how you doing? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, how are you doing? I'm like, not talking about work, not talking about your, your, your quota. I'm talking about how are you as a person? Because at the end of the day, if my sales team's not doing good as people, then how can I expect them to be doing good as, as salespeople, right? So it, it goes to, again, us as, as people in society, we have to be the best versions of ourselves, number one. Number two, now, how do we actually get this, this, you know, this whole liberty thing in, into reality? We have to uh, really educate people on the value of, of focusing local, right? So I just had Todd Agopian here on the show on uh, on Monday. So we're recording here today. It is Monday, um, March or uh, March. Goodness, I still feel like I'm in, in March COVID time yeah. there. Um, October twelfth. I know what the hell. Uh, October twelfth. Um, but you know, this is uh, airing a week or so, a week, a week and a half or so after uh, my original airing with Todd. And one thing that Todd has been focusing on over in Oklahoma, he's running for the Oklahoma um, Corporation Corporation Commission, I believe it's called. And um, really, the idea is to help focus, again, getting rid of these regulations on the state of Oklahoma, but again, helping those uh, local organizations and those localities be able to function in a more pro-liberty way. And I think it's going to require us to get back to focusing, stop, you know, stop focusing on these federal national elections and actually look at how can we implement some real long-lasting policy from a, a liberty perspective to people. And I think, again, it comes to being involved in our communities. So uh, I'm a big fan of federalism. I think if we were able to approach our political messaging in a federalist approach, um, you know, number one, I think it's it's a it's a fair thing for any libertarian to objectively look at the presidential nominee and say they're not going to win this year. Every libertarian needs to be able to to acknowledge that reality. But but and there's a huge um, you know huge caveat: the libertarian presidential nominee has a responsibility to be the banner carrier, right? They're, they're carrying the message that should be able they're to be the, activist. correct. Yeah, they're and, a, yeah. and they need to be the voice, well, an activist, but they're also a salesperson, right? They're exactly. setting yeah. the value statements for Good what point. your, your libertarian uh, folks in their localities are going to be running on. And then to be able to actually enact those policies on a local basis to, to show the value, the merit of what we're talking about, because right now, 
it's one thing to talk about this, you know, what's this you know, future look like. It's another thing to actually start to enact it in, in policy. And that requires us, again, to get involved in our communities. Sadly, Stephen, I, I think you, you've experienced this online as well. A lot of libertarians are stuck in this kind of um, thought experiment world where we're online. Yeah, man. It's creepy, dude. It is. And, <laughs> but you know what? That's the confines of their entire worldview. Oh, it's so sad. Funny. And if you're stuck in that entire worldview... Like, of course, you you don't know what, what your your neighbors are actually like. You need to get, actually get outside, yeah. see people, talk to people in your community, and, and also get involved. Because, like, if you're not going to get involved, there are people out there who are seeking more and more power who will get involved. Right, man. That's what I'm going to say. Like, like I mean, you bet. I mean, you better get involved. I mean, like, that's where the right left thing. I believe in it. Uh, like everything what you just said is true. Every single thing. I, I don't agree, disagree with this single thing you just said. But you got a bad. You have to fight the cultural left, or it will come to get your ass. You know, like that shit is like it. If you just keep localizing, here's where I do side with the conservatives or the right wingers, whatever. Where it's like that shit will get your ass on a natural on a national level for sure. They could get all three houses. They could pack the court. They could get the presidency, and at that point, it's full on. I mean, I don't know what they would do because I don't like. Like I'm not one of these FEMA camps guys. Like you know, like I I think that's a good argument for FEMA camp. Like th that the FEMA camps exist, that we're enemies or whatever. But I just don't see it happening. Maybe I'm naive. Can I push back a little bit on that really quick? Yeah, sure. Because one thing yeah. I've, I've heard, I've actually heard this. Like that that maybe it would be worse off because of this. You know, this complete left takeover, right? But then let me counter this and saying, well, wouldn't we wouldn't encourage some of these like more red states to be like, nah. Nah, this is illegitimate. Like, we're not gonna play part of this anymore. And then, like, actually, it might. You know, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying that this actually might facilitate a breaking down of the systems to just kind of a natural federal approach or federalist approach, where you're saying, well, listen, if I'm in Texas and I have my my Texas, um, you know, uh, law enforcement officers, I'm just not gonna have them enforce federal policy. I mean, what are you gonna do? Send troops in? I completely agree with that. Like, there's no bad thing in the world that can't be used for good. And there's no good thing in the world that can't be used for bad. Um, and I agree that that would be a good thing that you're saying. Like, anything more local, more federal w would be good. But that's like saying, hey, we lost this battle, but we had a good counterattack. The, the thing you want in the long run is to freaking win. You, what you want to be, you want to be the freaking aggressor um, in a war. Uh, so I agree. It's it's not that it wouldn't be there's ever there's now we're talking about like full like multi-part game theory and stuff. But yeah, you could use any of that stuff for good. But at the end of the day, I think I don't know. It's it's now we're getting to crystal crystal ball territory because I could make an art. You're right. And I'm right because we're talking about the future, you know, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But I just do, you know, that's why, you know, I just got I just fell into a political trap just now. Um, where I said, he's like, you have to, you have to battle the cultural left. And the first thing I brought up was the three branches of government. And that's what I mean by like letting politics have too much power, man. We're all brainwashed. Like we're all brainwashed to be like, Oh, the, the left, like drag queen story hour. So we need politics. It's like, no, no, no. What you need to do is, is fix the cultural stuff. So I, that's what I, and, and it manifests itself in politics. Politics yeah. is always downstream of culture. I mean, that's Andrew Breitbart totally 101. Yeah. And it's like, I know I've, I've, I've mentioned like, um, you know, Christianity a couple of times. And I don't want to get into it too much, but like, I think it's all, I believe it's all under the umbrella of theology. But if you don't believe in that, I think it's all under the umbrella of culture. 
Like, I think it goes theology, culture, politics. But if you're an atheist, I can't. I mean, I'm not going to convince you you know, like or whatever, you know, but but culture is above it all. And the way we solve our problems a lot in the, this day and age is because of politics. So I guess I just got trapped. I just trapped myself where it's like, but it's so hard because they can they it, it also works circular because politics can enact cultural edicts. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, and I think that's partly why I've made a point. Like, I hate the approach. Like, we have to do it via politics. No, we have to do it via education. No, we have to do it via entertainment industries. Like, no. How about this? Maybe we have to do it across the board. Like, Corey DeAngelis is one of the best voices for school choice. Let him go and be the school choice wizard. Right. Um. You know, Shane Hazel is one of the the best. Uh, speakers when it comes to actually articulating what a true constitutionalist, you know, small L libertarian uh, leader would look like. Let him do that. Jeffrey Tucker is a phenomenal person to talk about the impacts of the lockdowns from an economic perspective. Let him do that. Matt Kibbe is an amazing person when it comes to actually going out and telling stories to people using his platform, Free the People. Let him do that. To my point is that if we let the market that is this market of liberty oh that's fun the market of liberty if that hasn't been coined yet please somebody do marketofliberty.com get that for the brian nichols show and and Corey, Corey, my my executive producer Corey, please uh so with that being said we have right now yes this market for liberty and it is a true open marketplace and we need to let each of those uh folks and those movers and shakers in the movement do their thing and do their thing well because I think it's silly for, you know, one podcaster to say, I have all the right answers about everything and how to approach every single person, you know, how to reach every single person, how to tell every single story. Like, no, nobody can do that. And we need to have more voices. That's why, candidly, I never, ever will disparage another podcaster's podcast because I think we need to have more voices because your voice might bring somebody to a more pro-liberty approach versus my voice versus Chris Spangle's voice over in the big channel, Dave Smith over at Part of the Problem, Jason Stapleton, Mark Claire. You go down the list, right? There are so many different folks that we have as as mouthpieces just in our own podcasting spheres of influence, right? That just to think, now let's put this on a macro scale. Now we're at a point where we have the advent of the internet. I mean, heck, you're down in Virginia, I'm here in Pennsylvania, and yet we're still having a face-to-face conversation with almost zero jitter and latency because of the technology that we've had increased just in the past, what, five years? So just imagine where we're going to be five years from now, 10 years from now, and the, the opportunities that have not even been thought of yet. Think. If you were to say 15 years ago that you were going to have a direct competitor to taxi cab services, and guess what? You'd be able to access it all through the, the palm of your hand on your phone. Like, you'd, yeah. you would have laughed in their face and be like, okay, okay. And yet, here we are, and it's reality. It's happening uh, right before our eyes, and it, I think people are starting to wake up that government is so slow. It's so inefficient to responding to, you know. so bad. It is, and people are waking up to that. You have to fight it by being in it. Like, that's one of the reasons I like, well, I'm not an ANCAP. I mean, I don't know if I ever really was. I mean, like, I liked saying I was, and it sounded really good that, like, government should go away, and government should go. It should go away, but it's not. That's the reason I'm not a ANCAP. It's because, like, you can't, like, what are you going to do, man? Like, you're going to get rid of, the only way to, if you've acknowledged that government is violence, the only way to get rid of it is to infiltrate it or overthrow it with violence. And I'm not really trying to over get my overthrow on. Um, 
you know, like I'm not, I'm not my, like, I'm not going to have a rebellion. If it got really bad, you could join a militia or whatever, but that ends really badly, you know? But so the only other way is to like separate from it or try to infiltrate it. And it sucks. So like you have to like get into politics so you can fight it almost. And I guess that's yeah. libertarianism a little bit too. It's like being anti-government. It's like, it's like, I don't know. You still, what is it's Murray Rothbard, I think essay or something is like why i hate the state or something like that or oh yes 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 yeah and so that the point he makes in that one i think is like a really good one where it's like the nap and the um the nap and property rights are objective things or as objective as we can make them i guess but you have to not like government in order to be a, a libertarian to me so that's why it's like these lefty libertarians or a certain ilk i don't know they're not libertarians to me because they like government I think there's an economics, like there's an economic layer to that too, because if you, um, if you ignore incentive structures, then you're also ignoring the, the, like how you as a society can function. Because right now it seems that the incentive structure that the left likes to implement the most is force. Like it's going to be taxes. It's going to be, you know, regulation. It's going to be, you're adding these things on top of versus scaling things back and letting the actual marketplace do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's the ignoring those incentive structures is very anti-reality. It's very anti-reality to think that like people don't respond to carrots and sticks in the way that human nature has always said. Um, so I don't know. Like, so giving people stuff and incentivizing them not to work that much anymore. I don't see how you can do it. Um, and call like and, and as a, the, the word libertarian i don't even know if i want to use it anymore but even call yourself like politically smart i'm hearing that more and more often by the way a lot of folks don't want to use the word libertarian i'm i'm, yeah. I'm curious to that like i love this idea that that theodore put forward like just get rid of it like acknowledge it as a two-party system it is you know it's not going away like i don't think like if you're like if you're like do you think it's gonna become if people like the lp or like you or whoever gets everything they want for the rest of our lives do you think we still would be a two-party system i would say my money would be on yes it depends on so and this is the other thing that drives me crazy because there's so many moving pieces so i had aaron hamlin he's um the executive director of the center for election science on my show and one of the things that he's been focusing on primarily has been that of voting reform. So he's been promoting this idea of approval voting, and he actually has some very good case studies, namely in Fargo, North Dakota, um, where they actually implemented a true substantive voting reform system that it really did break the two-party system, and it gave voters more of a means to rank truly those candidates okay. that they approved of. Instead of this pick one old archaic voting system that we have that only incentivizes and actually it it helps keep that duopoly in place. I mean, people don't realize, you know, ballot access laws, um, you you have to spend thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases just to be able to appear on on a a ballot. Thousands and thousands of petitions you have to get signed. I mean, you want to talk about like really how corrupt things are, Steve, like um, back during the COVID lockdown, uh, the peak of the COVID lockdowns, right? The Republican Party and Democrats Party in in, uh, Pennsylvania were able to force the Libertarian Party to still go out and obtain signatures to be on the ballot while the uh, the Republicans and Democrats were waived in because they were like the two existing uh, major parties. But they still made that the third party do the thing that they would not make themselves do. 
And and is we, that a law? Is that or is that a custom? Is that a norm? Like what is that? It's like, it's it, it's all so. At the end of the day, states run their elections because, uh, per the Constitution, elections are a state-run right, right? So each state pretty much has gotten to this bi uh, this bipartisan, and I'm using bipartisan in the true form, literally two-party system, of you have a Republican uh, commissioner and a, a Democrat commissioner for your election um, boards. And, and with that, they are the ones who will determine which petitions, which uh, laws which um, you know, precedents they want to challenge in court. And of course, when you go to court, the judges are appointed by Republicans and Democrats. So yeah, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Correct. Yeah. And, and this is, and this is the, this is the part right here, right? This is the magic sauce. This is the secret sauce. And I'm saying this because it's the truth. This is what libertarians miss is that in order to actually change the game, you have to first play the game. And if we're not truly playing the game, then all we're doing is sitting on the sidelines, you know, stomping our feet and, and getting our faces all red and in disgust because we're it's like we're going to take our ball and go home. And instead of playing the game, we're just not going to play at all. Well, guess what? We're going to lose regardless if we're not playing the game. And that's why, like, yeah. I'm tired of people going after folks like Rand Paul. I'm tired of folks going after people like oh, Thomas Massey. Dude, they're part of the problem. That's what I'm saying. Like, like these, you know, it's interesting, you know, we talked about it today and we talked about when you were on my show, like selling Liberty, it's almost like you almost need to sell something else too, man. Like you need to sell Liberty. There's two kinds of people I'm thinking about right now. There's people that aren't that into Liberty that like think that control is the way to go. That, and that's for most people. You got to sell them Liberty, but the, there's a certain type of people, man, that are too into Liberty that you need to sell participation to like your, your collapsitarians and stuff that, that think that like, that like every vote is violence and part of the problem that a single it's they don't they have a philosophical point they have a philosophical oh absolutely point, but, but like <laughs> it's not going to go away like it only goes so far like there's a point where your yeah. philosophical world has to meet reality and like we make fun of our friends on the left for this all the time it's like oh was that real communism yet and they're like well it wasn't yet because it hasn't been tried and it's like we and look like it's not going to happen man. exactly we look like yeah. that yeah we look exactly like that on the other side and people i mean honestly they will laugh. I mean, I, did you listen to George Organson on um on Dave Rubin? I caught the clips, but I'm I'm covered on my show tomorrow. After we get off off air, I'm gonna I'm listening to it. So I mean, I listened to it in its entirety, and Dr. Jorgensen is an amazing woman. I've had her on my show. Um, I'm having her on my show actually the week here that you're you're airing, and and with that, you know, Dave was he was asking some questions that your average person is going to ask. Namely, he's asking about the war on drugs, right? He he's asking about externalities. And respectfully to, to Joe, she didn't have good answers. She did not oh, yeah. have good answers. I mean, she was, to, to the way she was, I mean, yes, to a libertarian, her answers were, were correct. But to your average person, so uh, Dave was bringing up, uh, you know, if the, every drug was legal, then in his mind, there would be meth labs on every single, you know, every single um, person's backyard. And it's going to make things worse. There's going to be worse violence and worse crime. And instead of addressing the elephant in the room that, no, the only reason there's violence in the crime is because there's the war on drugs to begin with and go down that rabbit hole, um, she started talking in, in very detailed platitudes and, and you know, very um, nuanced kind of, you know, specific, very spe uh, specific instances and examples that just, it lost the, the flavor of what she was actually, the point she was getting across. And part of doing sales is to be able to take a very long, thoughtful thing and condense it into a 30 second ele elevator pitch 
and to be able to get that elevator pitch to at least cover the basic understanding of what you're trying to get across to your average person. And that's what we need. Now, I'm not trying to... to the difference, that's the difference between sales and activism, by correct. the way. Correct. Like, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I and that's what that. I would say. That's what I would say Spike Cohen, who is, <laughs> funny enough, an ANCAP, he has been doing well, is he's he's needing... man? How can you how can you be an ANCAP and be a vice presidential candidate? Like I don't unless you're But he's meeting people where they're at. That's the thing. And okay. this is this is sales one on one that people it's also goal, forget. Is his goal to disband government? I honestly don't know. I haven't talked to to, to Spike yet. All right, all right, but but right. I will say I I I've talked to Spike on one panel and it was um two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I forget. Um but basically it was a quick half an hour or so panel that I was able to, to jump on. And in, in it, we were talking about how are we selling liberty to people right now from his perspective as a vice presidential candidate. And really, it came down to, again, sales 101, meeting people where they're at. What conversation are they currently having in their own mind? And you have to... What then, crazy then you then you don't enter that conversation. Then you don't enter that. So there's okay. another thing we talk about here in the show is, is good faith conversations, right? So okay. if somebody's going to enter the conversation in bad faith, hands up. They're not gonna they're not gonna have their mind changed, and they don't want to. They're they're just looking to fight. But if there's somebody who's willing to enter into a conversation in good faith, then it's it's on us to then enter that conversation where they're at. Figure out, you know, and, and this is another thing libertarians are terrible about. Terrible about is empathy. We have to be able to empathize with their their very least their lived experiences. And to understand that their worldview is entirely shaped on those lived experiences. We can't just go in, bombs you know, going off, guns a-blazing, thinking you're going to completely change somebody's worldview overnight. You have to plant the seed, and you have to water that seed and let it grow. Don't expect it to grow overnight. It takes time. And I mean, I'm telling you right now, I, I'm being a thousand percent serious. I have a very good friend I've been working on now for at least six years. I'm getting him there. I'm getting him. I'm dead serious. I... <laughs> And the reason I know is because he takes the political test and I've watched his little dot move. Oh, that's but that's the thing is that if we go in thinking it's going to happen overnight, we're going to be very, very upset because we're going to be so wrong. And what happens is we we turn off so many people so quickly that then they never come back. So, I mean, I, dude, I didn't realize we're already at 46 minutes, by the way. So here's what we're going to do because I want to get Gary to wrap up. We never go this long in the show, but the conversations with you are always a blast. So. Um, let's do this. As we get to wrap up, I, I want to, number one, give you a chance here to give more of a an in-depth platform to all the, uh, the different shows you're doing. Um, you know, Call Me Ignore the Daily Ignoramus, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but also, I think it'd be good if you could leave the audience with a little bit of a non-political approach to the future, right? Something overtly out of the world of politics. Maybe we can talk about some positives of getting the world back to normal post-COVID, et cetera. Um, so that being said, Stephen, call me ignorant. The Daily Ignoramus, all that wonderful stuff you're doing. Where can go, uh, folks go ahead and follow that? But also, um, you know, sign up for all the great stuff you're doing. Yeah, I mean, so I stream a lot. You know, I'm mainly a live streamer. I, I, I try to stream like eight or nine times every week. But most days you can find me uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time um, on my YouTube, DLive, and Twitch, and Periscope channels, streaming the Daily Ignoramus. But that's just, you know, uh, it's it's all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's philosophy, comedy, news, current events. We cover the news of the day, and it, I put music behind it, my original music. We, I don't know, you kind of have to watch it to experience it. I put, you know, today we put, like, a thrash metal thing behind Greta Thunberg, like, screaming, stuff like that. It's very random. Um, uh, But, you know, we... How dare you? Yeah, how dare you? You've <laughs> stolen my dreams and my childhood. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very anti-politically correct. So if you're looking for a little escape from 
like the cancel culture, you know, politically correct thing, you can definitely stop by. But yeah, you know, I do a couple of inter interviews a week with Call Me Ignorant. That's a, a podcast. And I am a professional musician. So I do live music on Instagram and my channels as well, where I'll play piano and I'll rap. I got a rap album. You guys can check that check out if you guys are into that thing. Um, but as far as, you know, um, so you can find me just on the socials and stuff. But as far as uh, a non-political thing, I've eventually i want to start my own school man so you know i've been really getting into developing my education philosophy over the last five years or so and focusing on like improving fundamentals of skills and stuff like that so i kind of like you know if you distance yourself from any politics or any politics you know um education whatever if you work hard and tell the truth most things are going to fall into place that's what i tell my students like if you just work hard and tell the truth you know and show up that's you're going to be better than most you know weak people in and be state. a good person good people yeah. bring out the good in people yeah and then just i have to work on that too like staying you know I, i'm really good at mocking and shit talking and like bad bad mouthing things i d disrespect it's kind of a talent you know but like i have to remember to like it's more important to edify and lift up things especially if they you know if they're your friend if they're if they're like a person that you respect you know we don't exchange enough kind words i don't exchange enough kind words so you know if you work hard like and that's one of the reasons i will never get rid of uh libertarianism because it's 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 literally the golden rule man it's it don't hurt people don't take their stuff um and uh but yeah i mean if you just you know like so i teach music lessons and if anyone wants to take a class with me it's great but i focus on general learning perspective fundamentals of music and how to how to become self-taught so you know if you can you know self-sustenance i'm getting into i'm going to get into homesteading soon um so the less politics in my life the better it's just we're like in an elect we're in an election year and it seems to be the more time you spend on twitter the more political it gets um so after november 3rd i'm gonna try to get it get away from it a little bit but all right but thanks for having me on my show man I, having me on my having you on my show you've been on my show i'm on your show this is really fun it is and, and you know what I'm, I'm gonna echo really quickly you just said there i had made a point and I, I i'm dead serious at least you know twice a week i have a piano um in my theater room and i will sit and i will play piano for at least an hour um because it is one of the biggest escapes uh i i cannot recommend it enough so I would say to your average person, get off Twitter, get off of Facebook, get off of the internet, turn the phone off, right? Unplug, reconnect with a hobby, reconnect with a friend, um, go out of your way to learn a new skill. More than anything, just try to be a good person. Uh, so that being said, Stephen, an absolute blast, my friend. And, and as always, uh, I cannot encourage folks to check out the awesome content you're producing. Call me ignorant, the daily ignoramus, all the fantastic stuff you're doing over there. My friend, Steven, always a blast. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. No, it's not Carol Baskins, but it is yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. So, speaking of cool cats, before we get started with today's episode, I have to tell you about our fantastic new sponsor. That's right, you know him, you love him. It is our friends over at the Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, the Lions of Liberty is the greatest libertarian variety show on earth, featuring three unique shows with three unique hosts. Their flagship show on Mondays is hosted by a friend of our show, Mark Clare, featuring interviews with leaders in the libertarian movement, roundtable discussions, debates, and more. 
More recently, Mark's been focusing on personal development and self-growth, featuring some familiar names like, I don't know, Jason Stapleton or Gary Collins. Wednesdays feature Electric Liberty Land, a weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty hosted by the hilarious and acerbic Brian McWilliams. And on Friday, we have Felony Friday, which is a weekly look at the broken criminal justice system hosted by John Odermatt, featuring inspiring stories from those who've overcome incredible injustice and adversity. So head over to your favorite podcast catcher and hit that subscribe button to Lines of Liberty, and then let Mark and the rest of the pride know that Brian Nichols here at the Brian Nichols Show sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Stephen Ignoramus. I'm going to include all the links to all of his amazing productions that he does over in uh, the show notes. So make sure you head over there, click the links, and give some support to Stephen. So, some uh, some housekeeping. Yes, of course, if you enjoy the show, you know the drill. Share on social media and uh, make sure you tag me at B. Nichols Liberter. Uh, Liberter? <laughs> Oh man, I'm tired. B. Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor. Uh, and also, if you guys want to get in touch with me, email me, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. And if you have not yet, five-star rating and review Apple Podcasts, if you would be so kind. Uh, and then also looking ahead here as we go forward into the week tomorrow, Jeffrey Tucker, American Institute for Economic Research, joins the show to discuss his amazing new book, Liberty or Lockdown, and it is fiery. Jeffrey is always a fantastic conversation and so insightful, and he, he's just so funny. Um, so it's a great conversation with Jeffrey Tucker coming up here on Wednesday, and then, yes, on Friday, my conversation with Joe Jorgen and Libertarian presidential candidate. So make sure you subscribe to The Brian Nichols Show on your favorite podcast catcher. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Stephen Ignoramus. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.